0: Will you pray with me? Lord, we come before you this morning grateful for all of the ways that you bless us, care for us, and lead us. We join our hearts together in worship now, coming aware of your presence, and ask that you speak to us with your spirit, that we are grateful for your holy word and that you use it to break through to our hearts wherever we might be this morning. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 17 to 26. Hear now the word of the Lord. One day while he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. They'd come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And just then some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and led him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, who is this? Who's speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their questionings, he answered them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up take your bed and go to your home immediately he stood up before them took what he'd been lying on and went to his home glorifying god amazement seized all of them and glorified they glorified god and they were filled with awe saying we have seen strange things today this is the word of the lord be to god. i love that last line of that passage we have seen strange things today one of those good, like, wrap-up lines. It might seem like a throwaway, but it really does tie up that story really nicely. Uh, It reminds me a few years ago, uh, I was walking in the north side with a friend of mine. Uh, They were in town, and we noticed a man on the street in a suit and jeans, like suit top and jeans. We're like, oh, that's weird. He's got a microphone. And then we noticed that The other man with him had a giant camera. And we're like, oh, there must be some news story. And then they were flagging us down, like, come over here. Come over here. We're like, we really don't want to be over here. And they're like, have you heard about this situation going on in Pittsburgh? And we're like, no, we haven't. Anyways, and we tried to start walking. They're like, no, 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 you really have to hear about this. And they're telling us about this guy and his job and all these things going on. And we're like, we really don't know what you're talking about. So five, six, seven minutes have gone on. They're just feeding us information. And we're like, look, man, like, we don't really know what you're talking about. They're like, wouldn't you say that this is strange that they tell the story? And we're just so fed up by the end of it. We're like, look, man, it's weird. And we just left. I didn't think anything of it. And a week later or so, I get a text from someone at church, uh, you know who you are, saying, Mike, we saw you on the news today. (laughs) I went, oh no. Now, when I tell you I didn't care for this interaction at all, I'd forgotten about it. And I'm concerned. I'm like, oh, no, like I work at the church. What happened? What do they have me on the news for? I clicked the link they sent in the text, and there I was. But the only thing they used for 30 seconds, they're setting up this story, and then it just cuts to me going, it's weird, man, and then that's it. I was like, this is so messed up because I didn't know anything about the situation, and it didn't make me look particularly great. Now, I tell you all that because when I hear this line at the end of this story this morning, the people said, we've seen strange things today. I feel like that's just not a good quote from the author of Luke, because they saw some seriously strange things. First, there were so many people in this teaching room that no one else could fit in. I mean, we've had some busy mornings at SPC here. We set up chairs for Easter, but it's never been so many that we couldn't, you know, sprawl people out on the marble. So that's a little strange. Okay. Well, then, after that, we've got some people that show up, and they wanted their friend to come so badly, they carried him on the mat, because he couldn't walk. Okay, that's a little strange. I've never seen any of you carrying someone into church, other than baby Ainsley, of course. Okay, number three, we've got these people, they couldn't get in the door, so they thought the next logical thing was to climb up on someone else's roof, to vandalize it, take apart the ceiling, and lower their friend in, forcibly, through the top. That's pretty strange. Now we're in the pretty strange category. Then after that, Jesus like, hey, that's pretty faithful of you. Your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees weren't too happy about that. So they start an argument over this guy coming through the ceiling. But more so about what Jesus said to him. Okay, I guess that's kind of par for the course with the Pharisees. But it's still a strange thing. If you're a bystander watching all of this happen. But then the strangest thing is certainly Jesus saying, get out of here. Take your mat and walk. And then everyone saw this guy that was paralyzed walk home. And then we're supposed to believe that everyone was like, we saw some strange stuff today. Can you imagine if you came to church this morning and any of those five things happened? Like in the middle of me talking, someone got up and was like, Who, why are you talking? That's strange. If the ceiling starts coming down, these are the kinds of things that like that quote is just so unfair. And it resonates with me because I know what it feels like to be taken out of context on the news. Now, when you hear this story, there are a number of things that happen. We, we are probably familiar for the most part with this story. It shows up in three of our Gospels. So apparently everyone remembered it, probably because it was pretty strange. But there are some things that when we're reading Scripture, it, it's as important to notice what's not in the story as it is to notice what is in the story. And what's not in this story... Our names. Now, often in the New Testament, this happens. We hear about these interactions between Jesus and all these other people, and they're just named by their attributes or named by their ethnicity. They're just four friends that take their paralyzed friend to Jesus. They don't get named. In fact, they don't even get dialogue in the story. We see that the man who gets healed leaves glorifying God, but we never even hear him say something. It's just a little strange, very strange. But I think there's something powerful about the unnamed characters in these stories because what we see instead is what they do. That we don't have to remember their names to see the impact of their actions. Now in this story, we've got four people that carry their friend to Jesus. We don't know what it was about that morning that made them decide we're gonna go now. But they decided, this Jesus guy, he's done enough stuff, we've heard enough stories, we need to take our friend, unnamed character number five, and we need to carry him to Jesus. We're not sure where they came from. The text says that people were coming from all over, but we can presume presume he got carried across town, but we don't know whose idea it was. Was it the friend's idea? Was the guy on the mat Not really having a good time. He's like, I just want to stay home. Was it his idea? Saying, hey, my four best friends, carry me across town right now. We're not sure. But I imagine something is going on where this man starts to get carried to Jesus. And he's being told that this guy can heal you. And I just wonder how many times he's been told he might get healed. Jesus wasn't the only person known for performing miracles. There are all kinds of stories going around at this time. I wonder how many doctors or how many miracle workers this man had gone to while going home all the same, with the same ailments. I wonder if he was so worn out by the time his friends are carrying him to Jesus, he's like, no, really, let's go home. It's too crowded. I wonder how many times he he had gotten his hopes up and then seen them not seen through. And yet, we see these friends, when they get this man to the door... Go, it doesn't matter that it's too crowded. We're not stopping. I mean, I guess if you carried someone all the way across town, you're like, we might as well just go the last 10%. But they thought the next logical step was to climb up, to rip apart the roof and lower him in before Jesus. It was that important for them to get their friend in front of Jesus that they didn't really care about the consequences Now, in our own lives, we know what it's like to have ideas of how we want our lives to go. We know what it's like to see things not go according to plan. We know what it's like to be waiting for something to get removed from our lives or waiting to see this shift in our jobs or in our families or in our our medical diagnoses. We know what it's like to see dreams fall short, and we know what it's like to lose hope. It's just part of the human experience. It's not something unique to Scripture. It's not something unique to today. It's all of human history, and we can get worn out. But the power in this story is who you surround yourself with. I mean, if you read what Jesus says, let's hear it again. Jesus is revealing something about what the community of faith is. The author of Luke writes it. I want you to hear it again. He says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. That's the answer. I'll say it again. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Did you hear it that? When he saw their faith, their, plural. It wasn't the man's faith on the mat alone. It wasn't this guy that showed up and got healed. It was the faith of all of them who brought him before Jesus. Apparently, the faith that we have on behalf of other people can impact their lives, impact them so much that it might rid them of the ailments and the sufferings and the struggles they've been dealing with for so long. That's why prayer is always and has always been a part of the faith that we share. That's why this faith has always been called to be communal and not individual, It's not just about us on our own journey at our own times. Yeah, that's part of it, but we're always called to come together because there are days when you don't have enough faith on your own. Apparently, our faith with others makes movements. It made movements in this man's life, it makes movements in our lives today, and it's what changes the world around us. When we step into the role of the people that have faith on behalf of others, we're taking seriously our calling as followers of Jesus. We're not meant to be on our own path, doing our own thing, only taking care of ourselves. That's convenient, it's easier, but it's not what we've been called to. Now this morning we got a perfect example of what it looks like to use your faith on behalf of someone else's. We watched another child... Will Ainsley get baptized this morning? What is baptism if not taking your own faith and using it to move someone else into the faith? Using your own faith to bring a child before God and say, this child is for God. We know that God loved us before we loved him. We know that God called us before we could call to him. When we baptize babies, we're, we're saying something about the love of God acting regardless of how you choose to respond to it. But the baptism wasn't just for this family. We weren't all just spectators. We sang a song about it, but then we had R.C. get up and ask us a question. Do we also commit ourselves to raise this child in the faith? We say, yes, our faith can impact this child's faith. And it doesn't just stop at baptism. It's all of our lives. This is one moment we expand it when we talk about the great commission that we've been called to go out into the world and teach and preach the good news. It doesn't have to be done from a pulpit. We're being called to share the faith that we have been cultivating in our community with other people. We saw in our story this morning four guys that were, like, so ready to get someone before Jesus, they really were going above and beyond, no pun intended, but they got up on that roof. They carried him up there to remove the roof, to put him in front of Jesus, and I wonder what stakes would you go through to get people in your life in front of Jesus? I mean, who is the person or the people that helped you come before Jesus, It made enough of an an impact for you to either show up in person this morning or to be streaming this morning. So someone in your life helped you get before Jesus. What are you willing to do to help someone else get to the same place that you've been for so long? Obviously, this faith is something we share together. So what are we willing to do to help it to grow, not just for ourselves, but for everyone? Everyone. That's what worship is. That's what faith is. It's what community is. It's what church is. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Thessalonians, now, like like normal things, Paul writes all kinds of stuff, but he's got a pretty, pretty set structure on how he ends his letters, and he ends his letter by saying these words. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to admonish the idlers, Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to the one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Don't quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good and abstain From every form of evil. Right in the middle of that, Paul says, pray without ceasing. Why? Because prayer changes things. What is prayer if it's not a faithful request made to God for ourselves and for those dearest to us and for the things in the world that we see that break our hearts? Prayer is our movement into the presence of the divine, it's it's us becoming aware of God's presence in our lives. And we know that this is what prayer is for. That's why we continue to do it. It's because we recognize that that our faithful action on behalf of other people makes a difference. The question is, what actions are we willing to go to on behalf of other people? Sometimes those actions might take you to a homeless shelter in the city. It might take you to prepare some food at the Center for Hope. It might take you to VBS for a week. VBS for a week. Slime, games, no deodorant. I mean, this is the kind of thing that strange things are going to happen when you take Jesus seriously. But when you're willing to go to any length to help a child, get to Jesus, to help a friend, to help an enemy get to Jesus, it's going to take you to some strange places. It'll take you across the city to East Liberty to help with open hands. It'll take you across an ocean to help with mission organizations. It'll take you to your least favorite neighbor to invite them to dinner or even to church. I mean, these are the kinds of things that happen when you take this faith so seriously that you can't keep it to yourself. It's going to cause you to even carry someone across town and maybe take apart a few roofs just to make sure they have an opportunity to encounter Jesus the way that you have. But only if you're willing to let God lead you to those places. Again, we don't know what the intent of these four people were when they carried their friend across town. What we know is that they did it and that they looked crazy and that everyone apparently left and went, Strange day today, saw some strange stuff. I wonder if you're willing to be someone that looks a little strange to the outside on behalf of those who need to get to Jesus. Maybe you're someone that needs to get to Jesus. Maybe that's why you showed up today. You felt like you had nothing left. You're like, maybe at least I can show up, hear some music to remind me of this faith, hear, hear the word to remind me of this faith. But maybe you're someone that can go on behalf of someone else. Maybe you're someone that can take your prayers on behalf of someone else. Maybe you're someone that can can prepare a meal on behalf of someone else just for the attempt to let them see Jesus the way that you've seen him. Because I'll tell you, if there's anything this story tells us, it's that our faith is not meant to be kept to ourselves. It's that our faith is meant to go out, not to come in. So much of the church has become insiders and outsiders, but Jesus, very seldom do we see Jesus in a temple. He's out amongst people. And when Jesus was inside and people couldn't get in there, they went out of their way to get them inside before Jesus. I wonder, where is God calling you this morning, this week, this season of life? Where is God leading you so that you can encounter people that need to find Jesus? Maybe you are the closest thing to the church they're ever going to get to. What kind of impact can you have by being like these people in this story? They're willing to show the love of Christ in any circumstance, in any location, at any time, because it's that important. May we listen well to where the Spirit leads us, and may we have the courage to have the awkward conversation that makes us look strange, to do the awkward action on behalf of someone else so that we can have the chance to help people see why this faith matters so much to us. May it be so. Amen.